Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to In Soccer We Trust. I'm your host for tonight, Heath Pierce, Hollywood Pierce uh, to be exact. I got Jimmy, Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Comrade Inu, Comrade with us, and of course, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. And we're going to be breaking down this entire U.S. loss to the Netherlands. Obviously, before we before we get really into it, off the top, Jimmy Conrad, you're on the ground there. What what, what What's going on? What's the feeling? Um, I'm and, sad, yeah, Heath. I'm really sad. Okay. I'm just sad. I got my megaphone, and I'm sad because we just didn't make the plays that we needed to make. And it's unfortunate because I thought we had done really well in the group stages to, to, to put ourselves in a position to play a little bit better than we did. And I know we'll get into the details of that. As for what's happening on the grounds, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of former men's national team players. And I would say the number one thing is just disappointment that we had shown some promise and that we thought we matched up well against the Dutch, but the Dutch played a really professional performance. And uh, it's a fine margin. We make a couple of mistakes, we get punished for it, game over. And yeah. uh, that's pretty much what's happening here on the grounds. Charlie, obviously, we talked about our midfield. The midfield, MMA has been a, a, an acronym since the beginning of World mm-hmm. Cup qualifying, right? Uh, w- we knew that they needed to be better than the other midfield today. I personally don't think they weren't. Was there one thing that you, you see coming off of that? Were we good enough to win, or was it going to come down after that first goal? Was it going to come down to a little bit of luck? Because certainly the performance itself didn't feel like it warranted the U.S. to go through at any point in that match, other than no, maybe it, they scored it, in the first few minutes from Pulisic. You're right. I think what the Dutch did so well, it was a masterclass in tactics. Mm-hmm. It was a masterclass in tactics, and we had no answer. Ultimately, though, we had the chance to take the lead three, two minutes into the game. Christian Pulisic yeah. had the golden chance. There's not another player you'd want in that position, but he didn't come up with the, with, with the goal. And we, we know in, in, at this level, chances are hard to come by, especially yeah. chances like that. They, they, don't, they really, really don't come that often. And when you get it, you have to finish. I think tactically and, and positionally, we, we didn't get it wrong. The lineup yeah. 
fault, fault failed us. And I don't want to go, oh, it's Jesus Ferreira starting. That's why we lost. But you could see that Weston McKinney didn't have, have the energy today. He, he was he was fatigued. Yeah. He was giving it all. Uh, I thought Christian was was actually pr pretty on it for, yeah. for having that uh, an injury, playing down a man. Jesus wasn't shouldn't have been starting. I think Weston McKinney, you, you could have, you could have put Brent Aaronson in there to start. You could have went with, uh, obviously Gio Reyna looked good. He not, not an issue for me, but I, I think tactically they clogged up the middle. They didn't, they, they allowed Walker's or, or Tim Ream to have space to come up. And then they countered. They said, we're going to be, we're going to lock up the middle. Virgil van Dyke didn't even look like he, he broke a sweat. He, he no. was, he had they we they locked down the midfield. They let us play wide. Serginho Des had some moments early on the game because Daly Blinn's not a good defender. But if he keeps everything in front of him, he, he don't have he doesn't have to work. And we we legit, by the way, made all Manchester United's biggest flops ever look like stars again today. That it's one of those games where it's like someone's going to come in for these guys uh, Blind and 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 Depay for a, a large amount of money. Sorry to cut you off there, Charlie. Um, Jimmy, I'm going to throw it back to you real quick. Uh, with this performance of this team, Charlie Charlie touched on it a little bit. We touched on it throughout, where we kept saying 26 players. Wow, they're gonna look how many players are gonna play. How do you whatever? And we went with almost the same team. We like that, but then when you look at that, and never mind the first 20, 30, 45 minutes, when we got into crunch time, right when we were within a goal, 70th minute, it just felt like we had hit a wall to me, right? It felt like we had the fatigue of playing the same team. We didn't have that second win where. Usually when the U.S. gets a little momentum, similar to what we saw with Japan or Korea or other nations that are energy-driven, you see this shift. And I just really didn't see that shift. And maybe that was because of the tactics of Netherlands, but also part of it felt like we just didn't have that energy to say, okay, we've got our chance, let's make the most of it. What was your take on just the overall energy levels of this team in this match that Charlie mentioned? Yeah, so hopefully you guys still got me. I think I maybe yeah. dropped off there a little bit. I, I What I wanted to say is that... I thought that Greg got his starting lineups right in every single game except this one. And what's hard is that he said that he was going to be married to these particular strikers, right? We have three strikers, and those three strikers are going to play that position. We're not going to play a false nine. And then all of a sudden, when we need a goal, we go to a false nine. And I, I found that to be quite interesting. And, and it gets me a little frustrated because why wouldn't we have done that at some point during our friendlies? Why wouldn't we have done that, at least tried it, maybe even woke up qualifying? And then in desperation, we try it. So that frustrates me a little bit. Um, I thought that – I agree with Charlie. I thought the tactics from Louis Van Hall were amazing. They were spot on. They did a good job, but once our center backs got the ball, you saw Memphis Depay and Cody Gakbo just drop off to our outside backs. They just cut mm -hmm. off that pass to them and not allowing them to start attacks. Now, what's interesting is when I thought about the – even in our preview, the limited time I had on the preview, I know that the wingbacks were going to be a really pivotal spot, of the, excuse me, spot on the field. And Dest did not win his against Daly Blint. Daly Blint scored. And then on the other side, Denzel Dumfries has a goal and two assists. And so Anthony Robinson definitely didn't win that. And it kind of Daniel had a goal and assist. Yeah, the goal and assist. Yeah, exactly. So like their wingbacks absolutely ate us up. And that was always going to be, you know, as our guys bomb forward. I don't feel like we got ever taken advantage of when they bomb forward. Maybe once or twice. Eh, maybe I'll take that back. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. But it just, we got out. I, I don't know if, if it was, maybe we got out coached, but I think we just got out class in general. And, and I did want to say that even if Christian had scored first, I still don't know if we go on to win that game. Yeah. I just, sure. I just didn't see enough from us, and I think we were tired. We looked a little leggy, and, and uh, I don't know. Go ahead, Heath. 
Charlie, on that first chance with Christian Pulisic, did it not to you feel like it was a little bit of like he thought he was offside because you rarely find yourself with that much space at that point in the game and therefore it was sort of like a half, it's going to call it back type of thing anyway? I mean, because he, he had a lot of different options he could have taken. And in that situation, yes, Jimmy said that uh, it, it would have been hard to hold, hold this team off because tactically the Netherlands were brilliant. And I actually credit our tactics a lot of the way of this World Cup, of being able to win the midfield, of being able to be clever at the right mm -hmm. times, Not being able one. to force other teams to adjust. They ate us up. They knew exactly what to do and when. They knew exactly where to neutralize us. They won the midfield battle against what I think is our midfield, and we, which we talked about being one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. It just felt like across the board. Now, when you, you know, I guess skip, skip the Pulisic question. When you look at this yeah. team, was there one thing that you thought, well, if they would have done this differently, they could have at least stayed in the game longer. If they would have won the midfield battle, or if we would have pressed differently, or if we would have dropped off differently or transitioned differently? Is there one thing, or do you think it was just like, you know, if you gave us 10 categories and we needed to win X amount of them to beat the Netherlands, the Netherlands won 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10? Well, yeah. I mean, we we didn't get the the tactics right because we didn't play with the right players. Jesus yeah. Ferreira is not a 9. He, he drops in too much. He's not a threat. And that's why I wanted to see Timothy Weah up at the nine because you need to pin Virgil van Dijk and Ake and Timber back with pace, being a threat. That doesn't allow them to come, come up and push so high because then you had Darun and, and Frankie de Jong as always options. And Brent Aronson, you saw just his, his work rate, just yeah. having somebody buzz around. Those... Our midfielders, Musa, McKinney, Adams, they put in a lot of, of miles over the, over the course of the past three games. Yeah, I think McKinney took the, the brunt of it because he, he really looked like he, he didn't have much left. Yeah. And so that was an but opportunity. Even Yunus Musa, by the way. Yunus Musa yes. looked off the pace. Yunus Musa, like, even, even by the way, anecdotally, Brennan Aronson usually beats his first man on the dribble. Netherlands ate him up every time he tried to go after the first guy with something clever, right? It was like they were a step ahead, a step quicker, a step faster. And he's the guy with the freshest legs. And then you add that to the guys who put on a ton of miles and they just looked like a little heavy, a little slow, a little mm -hmm. lethargic, you know, where it was like the fir their first thought was like, get the ball off my foot versus like a usual Yunus Musa where it's like, I'm going to blow past the first guy, open up the field. And now we've got something different. It was like when any time that they called our bluff, it worked. And I'll also say the two goals, right? It's mm -hmm. a lack of of commitment, a lack of communication. The 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 first two were copy paste. Dumfries gets down the right and just cuts a, cuts the ball back. Our back line, we're in a straight line. Midfielders on the first goal, you you could say, Yunus Musa leave you you leave the 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 far player and come inside. Mm -hmm. And Tyler Adams was was caught trailing behind the play, and obviously. Depay is just alone, he, and he absolutely smashes it. Same thing uh, for for Daily Blind as he comes in, and that that one really hurts. Just before halftime, you figure it out, you make the changes at half, being only down a goal, but going down two, that that wasn't it. And then Haji Wright, yeah, he gets the goal, but he 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 didn't give much. Yeah, he had that big opportunity on the bad turnover too, and took that long kind of donkey touch that could have really How'd changed write, anything. How'd and again, it didn't show show me anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say by the way too is is this is the first time, and maybe a little bit of that Wales game in the second half, where when the U.S. got punched a little bit, you saw I I felt nervousness from the team. 
from the front striker, Jesus Ferreira, all the way back to, to Matt Turner and some of his touches of just a little bit of that, you know, bottled anticipation or anxiousness or anxiety came out in, in the form to me, what I could see visually, of nervousness, which means that we were just, everything needed to go from like the head to the feet to the decision. And that's just too slow in these games. And, and, and the Netherlands were willing to just capitalize on that and go, right? Like there was just turnover after turnover that once they got their first goal as well, it was like it was it was like it was written in their game plan. We're going to get our goal. We're going to sit back and we're just going to invite them to just eventually connect have to connect 15 16 passes to break us down and one of those along the way is going to come to the other team and we're just going to is going to come to us and we're going to transition and run at them. Jimmy, we're just talking a little bit about, you know, Charlie was 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 mentioning and welcome back to the show by the way for anybody that's listening thanks, to this audio. Jimmy's doing his best out there in, in Doha, but obviously there's a million people trying to to log on and and, and get things going. But Jimmy, while we have you just talking a little bit about the transition game, the tactics of the Netherlands. Um, I, I was mentioning that it felt actually nervy from the very beginning. I think the U.S. was nervous. And I don't remember that. Maybe the latter part against Wales, they looked nervous. But the rest of the tournament, they had so much courage and fight and energy. That was the first time that I saw guys just almost trying to get it off their foot or trying to rush the pass or rush the play. Did you feel that too? Or, or did you see something? yeah. yeah. No, no, 100%. It looked like the guy's first touch was nervous. It felt like their passing was a little bit off, right? It wasn't finding the feet, or maybe it was going to the wrong side of the person or the, 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 the mm -hmm. pass was too heavy. And, and you know how it goes. Both of you know how this goes. It's, that's a bit infectious. So if one guy makes a bad pass, you can sense that one of your teammates who's usually steady is being a little nervous. You're like, oh, shit, maybe I should be a little bit nervous too. And, and, or not nervous, like you're not thinking about it, but you can kind of sense that we're just oh. not as comfortable as we once were. And I noticed that. What's interesting is I actually thought that we had our best runs of play in the first half when right before we gave up a goal. So before the first goal, I was like, all right, we're going at him. We created that Christian Pulisic opportunity. We're, we're, we're in the attacking third. We're in and around it. Sure, we're not maybe making them sweat or suffer too much, but it was still positive. And then bang, we give up a goal, and then they completely lock down, shut it down. They get in a low block. They take away our outside backs. And they make our center backs try to make the game. And yeah. then – Maybe 10 minutes before the end at that half ended, we found our way back into it. And we started to go at them again with a little bit more purpose, connecting our passes. And then we give up a goal right before halftime, everybody, on a throw-in, which is super unacceptable. Yeah. You can't give up a goal in the first or five minutes of any half. And the fact that you have to now go into the locker room down 2-0 instead of 1-0 is insane. And, uh, Jimmy, yes, I guys, get, we, guys, we, we, we've got guys, some, I, I, Hold I, on, Charlie. I, we got, look, for those of the, the listening, we've got, we've got a visual up on the field that Jimmy said this before, and I'll say it again. He said, uh, we've got his tweet up on the, on the wall. No matter how successful uh, when they're in charge, I don't think any national team coach should have the job for more than one World Cup cycle. The players need to hear a new voice. We're going to get to that. I want, every, I want to know what everybody thinks. Should Greg Berhalter get another run? Should he get more time? But, Charlie, to get back to you, what were you going to say? Knowing how they played today. Mm -hmm. what would your starting 11 be? If you could go back, what what would be the starting 11? Oh, man. Uh, I, I I mean, obviously, in, in, in retrospect, it's, it's hard. Knowing how today was going to be, I think, changed as soon as the Netherlands scored because I don't think they were going to sit back necessarily that whole game. I think they had other things to throw at us. But once we gave him that first goal, and by the way, the second goal was the exact same. And if you watched Frankie de Jong, he sat in that pocket every time that we got down to the touchline to cut that ball out. And we never cut that ball out. It was like they found this space of saying, there is goals here for us. And they did the exact same thing. Anyways, that's, that's, a, that's a different conversation. But for me, thinking about that, 
It's, it's really hard, Charlie, because I didn't expect the, the U.S. to be that tired. Now, logically, I can see why they were this tired, because they've had to grind their way to this point in, in the tournament. And so I would think about fatigue within the context of that. I'd look at the fact that Gio Reyna has barely had any minutes. Brendan Aronson has barely any minutes. Neither of which I thought have, have had, uh, had a good performance today, but at least had energy. And that's a good starting point. Um, and then outside of that, I, it's the number nine that it comes down to to me. I would still try to get Timo Weah up top. I, I know that we're saying three. I know we brought three strikers. I know Greg said to a fault he's not going to do that. But that to me was just one. It felt like the natural growth and transition without having to give something up because we had something to put into his place. We didn't have somebody at the nine. We could continue to grow that nine spot and then eliminate it that. Jimmy, I don't know about you um, or, or if, if you can hear us right now. Jimmy, can you hear us? I got you. Yeah. Would you, who, would you, who would you change in your 11 knowing how the game is going to go? That's a great question from Charlie. I'm kind of leaning towards you to put Timo Weah there, or you could have just started Gio Reyna. If you yeah. thought that or, – or I guess when they spoke to Greg before the game, and I don't know if you guys saw this or not in the pregame coverage, but he said that they wanted Jesus Ferrer, Greg said, to drop into midfield. So if you're going to have your striker that's up there, who you bring in as a striker to drop into midfield, why not just play a player player that's better at playing at midfield? Yes. You know, why not Correct. have an Aronson? Why not have a Timo? You know, Timo will give us stretch it a little bit. And they were going to all, all, they were always going to sit back. And when they scored, they didn't need to, to really come at us anymore. And they're looking to counter, but yes, you have a geo, you have a Brendan, but not Jesus. And I'm, I feel bad for Jesus. I think we were all hoping he would do well in his 45 minutes, or at least when he got his mm -hmm. opportunity and he was as invisible as he could possibly be. And every time he touched the ball, I think it was close to a turnover. And that is unfortunate because if he wasn't going to do the job, you had a couple other guys with Bruno Pepe and Jordy Pifak, and then and then, or maybe we just would have could have played a different formation in general. So, yeah, that that's on Greg. Um, Charlie, not getting him ready, he hadn't played a meaningful game in a month. Yeah, yeah, Charlie, Charlie, who who are you who are you changing this? Because I've got some questions for you to to follow up with this with these changes. Mm -hmm. Is that we talk about team away at the nine, but even he looked like uh, he had a, he had a great take, but he. It felt like all of our attackers felt like we weren't going to get near the goal again. And they were letting the ball go from funny angles. They were rushing shots. They were like almost trying to just create something out of nothing. Where in mm -hmm. games past, it felt like we had a little bit more of that belief that we we're going to get in and around the box. I mean, I'm talking about Timo Weah in this context. I'm talking about Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic a number of times too. Just getting anywhere near the goal and we're like, shoot it. You know, and I, I like the idea of that in theory. But at the same time, it felt like they just had our number. And we didn't have this belief that like, once we got close, it was like rushing to get a chance off. Like we're playing against – sometimes when we play against some of the, some of the um, underdog nations in, in World Cup qualifying, when they get in anywhere around the goal, they just let a shot fly because they don't know when they're going to get there again. Do you, did you feel that same sort of rush or urgency but for the wrong reasons? And, and who would you change in, in your lineup? Well, the, the only reason why for me it was clear and obvious why you don't start Jesus Ferreira is because he wasn't coming into this – yeah. confident he wasn't banging goals he hadn't played a competitive match in what six weeks he wasn't we saw in in playoff time in the crunch time in mls he was not affected he was a non-factor in two games with the national team mm -hmm. non-factor up until this point as of late so you go you you you're you're putting him into a lineup when you could clearly take Tim, timothy Weah because all the other num number nine options had been had been used and exhausted Haji Wright was not effective yes he got this goal but if you gave him that same ball a million times a million goal. times he this would be the only time he's scoring that goal it went over his foot towards the goal 
while he was running the opposite direction. It was incredible. It was, it was a miracle. It was insane. Listen, it was listen, a miracle. listen. It had Julian Green vibes in 2014 where he yeah. scuffed it and somehow went in like it just like, I mean that was obviously better technique. Well at least he was swinging towards anyway. the goal. Like yeah, this, was like, this, this was, was like this was like I'm just saying accidental. like it was like crazy lucky. Yeah, sure. No, this, this was, was even more remarkable. This was accidental. And, and so I, I look at Timothy Weah, you play him there. He was already moving into that central central position when they're in possession against England and against Iran. You saw him move in. So it's not it, it, it's not like you're you're reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. And then you have Brendan Aronson. We saw pressure, his movement. He's not going to really take people on 1v1, but because he's so effective with his movement and his pressure, that is going to, to create opportunities for us. Haji Wright had a, a golden opportunity for a striker, and he takes a, a pass touch. It, <laughs> that it, was bad. It, that was – what? What are we talking I, about here? So for me, it's uh, – you're you're not setting the team up to start well to win this game when you put Jesus Ferrer in, and when he checks in, you're not. Virgil Van Dyke was like this, mm-hmm. and it he's, didn't feel, by the way, Charlie, like we were. Coffee. It didn't feel like we were playing that sort of uh, uh, hybrid two striker system like we had been so successful. I, I didn't see that connectivity with Timo Weah, and 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 Jimmy, I, it brings me to my question to you around around uh, Gakpo and Depay. Sometimes they were wide, sometimes they were together, but there was this like constant presence of them everywhere. And I feel like the U.S. has very similar tools to what the Netherlands have, right? In terms of they do have some speed in transition. We do have a really strong midfield. But that connectivity that they had, it just tactically when they got it right, I just was thinking the whole time like, man, it doesn't matter what we do. It wasn't like Japan high pressing when we played Japan in that friendly and we just couldn't figure a way out. It just felt like, they had our number, and they were like one step ahead of everything. Do you think, um, not necessarily that we got the lineup wrong, but do you think that we got the tactics wrong uh, within the lineup? Because I know we've talked about the lineup, but tactically, Both. it felt like we were still a little bit disconnected. Both. Yeah, I, I, for me, what was always going to be a challenge for us was the fact that we were playing against two strikers for the first time in this tournament. So Wales, single striker. England, single striker. Iran, single striker. And their press and their team shape fell into that accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. In this one, they had their two strikers. And then as the game developed, they had their two strikers basically sit on our outside backs. And Davy Clausen, the 10, would come in in between. And he'd actually be the first line of pressure. I saw it a number of times. So there was some fluidity in terms of how they were going to press. And obviously, when we give up the first goal, it's going to make it even more difficult for us. And it allows them to, to, to drop in even more and be more thoughtful and and. and maybe even five to 10 yards deeper. And then from there, what's interesting is because we like to get our outside backs into attacking positions to be a little bit higher up the field. Then when the ball did turn over, you have Ooh. Gakpo or, or you have Depay, Depay in those wide positions. And now they can play from there. And then all of a sudden when Gakpo comes in, Dumfries makes the, the run on the outside. And that's what kills Count, it's, ca- it's called counter city. And, and they, mm. they played that to perfection. That was perfection. exactly perfection. how they set up. This was a, a coaching masterclass. I mean, Louis Van Hall literally said, I'm going to analyze the shit out of America right now. And guess what? We're going to invite them in. We're, we are going to counter them. We'll, get, we'll concede possession. They have no problem. That's why possession, I, 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 I can't stand it sometimes because it's so overrated. Look at Japan. Look at what the Netherlands did to us today. They said, we're going to just be effective with the counter. We don't need many opportunities. 
we have class and, and we're, our guys are clinical. We're going to bet on uh, Gakpo. We're going to bet on uh, Memphis Depay. And it paid off. That That's exactly what they did. It's not that you know hard. Well, also, on top of that, there was a clear like, methodology in terms of if you get wide, hit it hard and low back towards the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any balls being whipped to the Oh, he gone. We just Jimmy Jimmy just cut out just a little bit there. Uh, so apologies. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. You, you cut out there for one second. No, Finish that but, thought. Yes, because my phone's mad at me because they're pissed at the U.S. loss as well. So mm. listen, it's 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 just frustrating that that they had a game plan and they they worked it to perfection. And uh, what really bumps me out, I guess, in the first goal, Tyler Adams just watches a Memphis Depay run right past him at midfield, and does something that's uncharacteristic to Tyler Adams. And so yeah. You know, and, and then there was a lack of lack of recognition of danger, you know, and you'd like to think that, that we were pretty good at that up until that point. And then all of a sudden we just have that one shutoff or down one zero and the game's over. The game's uh, over. Then it looked a little bit like men versus boys. For I'm time. curious. I'm curious both with your d- defensive experience, the back line drops on both uh, instances when when Dumfries gets down to, to the end line and you're in a straight line. So, Heath, it, if you if you're not marking someone, you're just marking space, but mm-hmm. there's. You can clearly look uh, over your shoulder and say, "Man, I'm I'm not marking anyone." And there's one runner or two runners. Don't you then say, "Hey, you step or I'll go," or because it it was clear on the last goal for sure. Dumfries is a, is alone on the back post. Anthony Robinson is marking a player when Tim Ream has nobody and Walker Zimmerman has nobody. He's in the center back space. Why isn't it? Maybe it's Turner. Maybe it's Tim Ream saying, "Hey, go! I, I got this guy." What, what what would be going through your mind in those situations? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're you're trying to pass somebody on and you, if you're in that position. I mean, naturally, Robinson's going inside until someone's going to take him because he's the more dangerous man, and you're kind of baiting this idea, well, if, like, if they're going to have to put in a perfect ball, it's going to have to beat all of us to the back post. But guess what? Didwin could put in a perfect ball, and he did exactly that. Uh, and, and Dumfries had nothing but time to be able to put that away and finished it with class. But th- those are the little tiny details that it's like um, – I don't know, Charlie. I don't remember when your first national team game was between your first national team game and the first big national team game you played where you mm-hmm. go, oh, okay, this is a little different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that club, when you play at the club level or some national team games, you know that that guy over there, he's probably not going to beat me on that ball. He can't pinpoint that cross, you know? And if he does, he's going to have to like thread that needle. And then you get to the highest level and you go, bum, 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 bum. And you go, oh my gosh. There are levels to this. This gets to, uh, <laughs> yeah. this gets, you know what I mean? And then you get, you I would get say hit, Copa you go, America. Okay. My, yeah. my, my, my first cap was against China in a friendly in San Jose. And in was training. Was that Jesse Marsh's cap, yes. by the way? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, in training, you, you say, wow, the speed of play is, yeah. is quite fast. But then when we went to Copa America and we, and we played and seeing it live and how fast the movement is and, and in transition, if you lose possession, then you're, you're, you're running, you're sprinting at 100 miles per hour, and you're trying to get in the game. That, when I, when I was like, oh, my God, this, this is a whole nother level. I need some time to adjust. Um, and then in, in Confederations Cup, I think that's when it clicked for me, playing at that that level, the speed yeah. of play. Uh, but it, I when think – you look to, at our back line, by the way, and this is the first time that our center backs in this tournament, mm-hmm. I was able to see that they don't have pace. Every other situation in this tournament – we were pretty safe, right? It was about making the right mm-hmm. play, closing the ball down. But very rarely did we get pulled apart so much that you go, oh, man, we're in trouble. And mm-hmm. you can feel that a number of times in this game 
that I didn't really feel throughout this tournament because I thought tactically we were always in good situations. Our midfield was protecting that back line. But when we got pulled apart, I was like, man, now you can see the, the, the next level to this. And what I would say about that is the only upside I can take from this is we got a young team that got their butts whooped. Wait, that, that's the only positive? I mean, there's a lot of positives, but I'm saying from this game, oh, from one of the game. things that you get from this game that you okay. can take from it is this young team got their butts whooped by a bunch of other players that play at big clubs that are under pressure, that mm -hmm. have perennially underperformed. You know, uh, Holland's in the World Cup. They're out of the World Cup. They make the Euros. They don't make it uh, and under pressure all the time. And they now get a view of, okay, this isn't even the big four. This isn't even the big two. This isn't even on our day type of thing. This is a team that player for player played better than us. Tactically, we're better than us. Technically, we're better than us. And even if it's at that one degree from an eight to a nine, that's the difference in a day like that. And now they've got to learn that you cannot have a day like this. And Greg Berhalter cannot have an off day. The team cannot have an off day. The tactics cannot have an off day. Otherwise, it ends in a situation like this. And, and it's unfortunate. But um, at no point did I feel like, you know, when it got to 2-1, I thought, okay, maybe there's something there. But like I said earlier on in the show, that's usually when the U.S. comes to life. We put pressure. We press. We go after them. You feel that shift, that momentum where you go, okay, there's this, this American belief that we can beat anybody. Even if we're not playing better, then we can beat them. And I didn't, I didn't feel that anymore. No, and that's, and that's because of the Netherlands game plan. They, they took that out. They took that momentum out. They said, we're not going to allow you to feel that because we are going to play out of you and we're going to sit back and defend and clog the middle and force you to, to, to come up with creative ways to break us down, which we, we lacked that creativity. It was, it was, we played a very predictive way and it, it was effective up until the first three games, but we, we don't have a nine we yeah. don't have a striker we can rely on a goal scorer you aren't gonna win a world cup or compete for a world cup if you don't have a a certified nine we didn't have that and yeah. and i think josh Sargent, that was his best performance that we've seen from him against iran and you saw just how effective a nine can be when they make good runs when the hold up plays there he didn't score a goal but he was super effective in playing our attacking wingers into spaces and getting them the balls, getting touches. Jesus Ferreira was a ghost. And I, and I don't want to say, I don't want to bring down Jesus Ferreira because it's an awesome opportunity. He got his first minutes in the World Cup, but he wasn't the right player for the for yeah. this moment. That That's yeah. not what the U.S., this group needed. And guys were tired in the midfield. Weston McKinney was, was on E. His tank was on E. Yunus um, mm -hmm. Musa was tired. Uh, had a little bit to give, but uh, you know, yeah, Christian Pulisic got a chance, and Tim Ream had a golden chance, right? Yeah, and then the, the, uh, the subs uh, I mean, Haji Wright should have had a big chance too. But yeah, like by the way, and I, and I would say this, and 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 for anybody that doesn't already know, if you're just tuning into this, you can watch all these players or a lot of these players across Paramount Plus, obviously Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, Syria, a number of these players playing across the entire World Cup. Uh, you can find on Paramount Plus, and we're going to be doing a giveaway, by the way, thirty day. Uh, free P plus subscription if you get above 300 likes. So make sure you throw your handle into the chat uh, so we can find you guys and give those away once we get to 300 likes on the show. Um, we're going to take our first and only break of this show. When we come back, Charlie and I are going to keep breaking this thing down. So don't go anywhere. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everyone, to In Soccer We Trust. We are recapping the U.S.'s knockout loss to the Netherlands, where the Netherlands put on a masterclass of a show tactically, technically, doing all the things that make the Netherlands so great and so well-known. However, in such a different way than how we know the Netherlands in terms of playing the total football system. Um, they've changed it up for this World Cup. It's been extremely effective, and I think they outsmarted us in a lot of ways. Charlie, we use the word proud pretty wildly in the context of everything happening in, in, with our men's national team, right? Are you proud of this team? Because what we're talking about right now is fatigue. And I saw it across the board. I didn't see a lack of fight. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lack of effort. I didn't see a lack of passion or care or anything that makes it uh, 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 prideful to wear the crest of the United States men's national team. What I saw is just burnout. And I saw, you know, I saw us have some pretty poor, poor passes and things like that, a lack of uh, sharpness at times. Looking back specifically on this game and then on the wider World Cup, are you proud of what this team brought to the table? Did we progress? Are we creating a new baseline or is it still TBD? Proud as hell. I, I'm excited for this future. The, the, the core group, they're all coming back. They're not going anywhere. They're only going to get better. Pulisic, Adams, Weah, Musa, McKinney, Dest, Robinson, Reyna, Aronson. Are you kidding me? Let, let's go. I'm hyped. What I'm I'm and then you you throw in some of the guys that weren't here, uh Chris Chris Richards and Miles Robinson. And maybe, maybe, you know, we have more center backs that emerge out of this pool. I, I'm looking at some, you know, you look at Taylor Booth, uh Ever 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 Divisi uh, player of the month yep. um, at, at Utrecht, like he looks uh, like a, a player I want to see uh, get integrated into this group. Uh, Richie Ledesma at PSV, um, he's playing with Cody Gakpo, you know, and so there are a number of of talented youth out there playing and 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 starting to to climb the ladder. Twenty twenty six is exciting. I'm proud of this group because. I think they inspired a generation, and it's easy for me to say that because I have twin boys that are are, are six years old. They're in first grade, and they want to wear their U.S. soccer jersey to school every day. That didn't happen. That did not happen before. They knew I played soccer. They knew I played for the U.S. men's national team. That They didn't care, but they watched Christian Pulisic score a goal against Iran, and they wanted to wear their jersey every day. Yep. That that I can see with my own eyes. They've inspired a generation, the next generation. I'm hyped. I'm pr- yep. I'm so proud of this group. 
they they've had to deal with a lot of of adversity, right? The the shame of 2018. They had to wear that. They did it proudly. They wanted to to recreate what how we think of U.S. soccer. Think of all the people that are talking about the World Cup and this group. Let's go. I'm I'm hyped. It, it's you know obviously it sucks that we didn't win today and a, a lot of people tuned in, but. That's beside the point. Yeah, it's de- depressing because we felt I felt like we could have got something out of this game if the tactics and the the format uh, the players that were selected were were on point. But come on, let's go. We're, yeah, we're back I, in it. There's more I, hype. I I fully agree. Like you said, you know we this team came in with no experience when we went into World Cup qualifying. We got a Nations League title. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's not that big of a deal. No one really cares about it. It's a fake trophy. Boom, experience. Different team. Gold Cup. When's that? Another experience. World Cup qualifying, we go through that. We grind through that. We barely get through that uh, with, with the stress that, that it went on. All these players had never played in those situations before. Most of them hadn't played in those situations. They got through that. Qualified for the World Cup. Everything was get rid of Greg Berhalter. These guys suck. The players suck. They finished they finish third in World Cup qualifying. They blah, 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 blah. Canada, how can they, you know, whatever. And then they get in the World Cup, and then they prove themselves through a, a, a difficult group. I mean, every group is difficult in the World Cup. And then they get to this game, they get outplayed, they get outmuscled, they get beat in probably every single category, um, and now they're out. But I do have to agree with you, Charlie. I'm, I'm proud of this group. I'm proud of the new standard that they created, the culture that they built. There wasn't you When you and I came into the national team, you got handed a culture. You got handed a, hey, this is what it means to play for the national team. If you spent one day on the training pitch and you weren't up to the snuff, you had a, one, one of the veterans saying, hey, that's not how we do this here. You walk around pouting or you scream at somebody, you have a bad attitude. Hey, that's not how we do this here. This was a brand new group from the very beginning. They had to build the culture. They had to build the trust. They had to build the level. All of those types of things. I'm curious what everybody else at home thinks. Do you, are, are you proud of this team? Yeah, Based I'll, on I'll, how, they together, Guys, how, how, they, how they put together, how they perform. In the comment section, right? proud. Just proud. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and look. I don't want anybody to get it wrong. Are Charlie and I satisfied? I'm not satisfied, but I'm proud of where this group went because when we were talking about World Cup qualifying, when we were talking about the four games leading up to the World Cup and we couldn't figure out how to score a goal, we were going to go three and out. And it was going to be this big, giant disaster, and we were just going to talk about how this is a building block for 2026 like, like, uh, like uh, Canada are doing or like uh, Costa Rica are doing or like other na- national teams that came in and now have the excuse of saying, well, yeah, you know, it's something and, you know, it's, the, it's all about the next thing and growing. The U.S. didn't have to do that. They got out of the group. We talked about that being the barrier of entry, the new norm, round of 16. And I know that we've been to round of 16s multiple times before. Every, what, 2010, 2014, didn't make 20, 2006, 2002, we go into the to quarterfinals. So I know there's a standard that's already been set. But this quality of players is younger, youngest team in the World Cup, Youngest team that we're fielding in lineups. We had an all-Euro team. We had some mixed players. And that's an incredible thing to be proud of. Now, I'd love to see more depth, Charlie. I'd love to see more depth in this team and more challenging spots. It's out there. It's out there. And we've got a pipeline of players coming through, which is is incredible. Mm -hmm. I know you just mentioned seven, eight players that are for sure going to be there. There's going to be at least seven or eight players that we don't know and we're not talking about. Maybe we know a little bit of them like a Taylor Booth or something like that or Ricardo Pepe that's going to find his form. But Ledesma, there's also going to be another four or five, Ledesma. It's going to be another four or five that are sitting in academies right now. They're going to explode onto the scene because that's that's the trajectory that we're on right now as a nation. I, I'm I'm excited uh, about this group. And, you know, people are already starting to uh, talk about the next coach. You know, what does that look like? Do Would you bring a Roberto Martinez 
to to the national team would would he take that job um you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with with the national team and and you know if if they if if Greg sticks with this does Greg go into to coaching I know he misses the the everyday club football um experience so all I can say is that this group took a huge step forward. Uh, I hope they get to play in a Copa America. I, I think you, you play in a, a, as many tournaments as you can against the, the top class. You're scheduling friendlies back. Like when we were playing, it felt like we were always playing Brazil's and, and England's and, and Portugal, you know, you're playing big countries. You're playing quality all the time because you don't have world cup qualifying. So uh, and the I pandemic I, was tough. The pandemic yes. made it really tough in that period between that and, and the World Cup qualifying cycles as a result of that and all those types of things made it really hard. You, Greg Berhold doesn't have a great record against World Cup uh, qualified World Cup teams mm-hmm. in friendlies um, uh, over that period. But having said that, like you said, I was reading an article. Uh, the other Somebody had sent me something a couple days ago about what the thing I've talked about a number of times on the show, which is we played one summer before qualifying – we played England at Wembley. We played Spain in Santander. We played Argentina and Giant Stadium. All sellout crowds against their number one first teams. And yes, they were friendlies. But for us, those were World Cup games. Mm-hmm. Those aren't when you are playing against teams of that level. There is no friendly in that. Maybe for them, but for us, this is the chance of a lifetime, right? And I think getting a chance to do that and test ourselves constantly, and hopefully we we made it make a strength of schedule that really really tests um, our style of play, our systems of play. Our, our, our tactics within game, our in-game management, all those things to kind of see where we stack up over the next few years and keep building on this team-type chemistry. Because, again, look at Belgium, look at uh, Germany. So, th- th- those are like the end of, 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 of eras. You know, They're at the end of these eras of players that have played together for 12 years in the national team, 8, 10, 12 years. We've got these guys together for two years now. we got something to build on, which is pretty amazing. I, I, I would say this. The expectation, though, in 2026 is to win. Mm-hmm. So if that's the bar to win, we, we got to knock out round with this group. And let's be real. No one gave them a, a chance. Right. They should set the bar at winning and you're doing whatever it takes to win because that's that should be the goal. And so nothing uh, about this group should should be thinking about taking step steps backwards. It's it's yeah. forward push, push. Uh, and and bringing that winning mentality, creativity, uh, building off of, of what they've, they've been able to accomplish in this World Cup. Well, let me ask you this, Charlie. Obviously, we brought up Jimmy's tweet uh, on the screen earlier about a coach should only be around for one uh, cycle. Now, I'm not as married to that as Jimmy is, but I understand the sentiment. The problem with the national team and the problem with U.S. soccer has always been, if you look at the 100-year histories of most footballing powerhouses – they, the, 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 the style of play is woven deep into the culture of the team. We are a melting pot of cultures in the U.S. Transition isn't always good in terms of going from one coach to, to another unless you're handing uh, the project blueprint off to, to take it to the next level and then add your pieces to it. Are you uh, uh, of the thought that the U.S. should get another, another head coach? And if so, say even in the case that, 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 that you are, is it somebody that should be U.S. based? Is it a big name Champions League coach? Is it is it a Roberto Martinez? That's that's good. Is it a you know your 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 um, what's his name? The French guy that's that's a World Cup specialist uh, in terms of qualifying teams and doing well. I mean, 
who are you thinking about in the context of this, uh, taking this to the next, taking us to the next level? Because it's not just about, like you said, this is about the U.S. winning in 26. So whoever this is has to create some pretty big, uh, cover a lot of ground between where we are now, round of 16, uh, clearly beaten, and probably the Netherlands being one of, I don't know, not in the top, I would say, eight teams in the World Cup this year, but clearly beaten by them to being a favorite, or at least in our minds, a favorite to win the World Cup in 26. Well, I can tell you, I, I am also not glued to the idea of, of keeping the same manager, and I don't think it needs to be an American. Uh, I think it's, you bring in someone who has a, a clear vision of what this national team looks like in 2026 and, and one that's going to be competing for a World Cup. I see a lot of people in here, I said, the mentality has got to be you're going to win that World Cup. You, you're trying to win. You're doing everything. That doesn't mean we're going to win. But it, it better you. What are we playing this game for if you're not trying to win that World Cup? The whole idea. Belgium is were a favorite to win. Belgium had a golden generation. They didn't win a World Cup. England have been knocking on the door. They haven't won the World Cup. You know, like uh, Germany was able to pull it off. Some other nations able to pull it off. Uh, Italy go from where they are to not qualifying for a World Cup. And so anybody who thinks that our pathway is any different than even the biggest countries outside of maybe a Brazil. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. doing it and being able to do it are two very different things, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you go out and you get the best coach that you, that you can. You go out and get the best coach that you can. And you give them time to uh, understand the, 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 the players, understand uh, how, to, how to get this team to play. But everyone in the world saw the U.S. play and thought they, they have a talented group. It, it it was clear to see Louis van Gaal, uh, the co the coaches, uh, Carlos Quiros, they saw the U.S. and said, this group can play. This is a quality team. They have absolute quality. So I think it, it's not going to be hard to persuade a coach to come uh, and, and work with this this team for a World Cup that's going to be played in the U.S. Like, and by the way, Charlie, here's a, here's a fun fact on that. No manager that managed a foreign team has ever won a World Cup with that team. I believe that's a fact. Our producer, Alex, is throwing that into the chat right now. If I'm wrong, you're going to have to tack him, but that sounds right to me, so I'm going to go with it for now until, until I can fact check. Well, I'll say anything in real time, Charlie, but it sounds like that's accurate. I mean... But, but, but for you, I mean, it's, it's really easy to think about. We've got some people in there saying Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, uh, Jesse Marsh, who was clearly like, I don't really do this whole like national team thing. I like the club stuff. Um, uh, but, but it does have to be the right person, right? And if you look at the U.S. last time around, we went a couple of years before hiring Greg Berhalter. And yes, there was all the chatter about the nepotism with Jay and Greg and all these types of things. Hey. But Greg Berhalter took us pretty far. Kai, Kai, uh, 7, Kai 718 came, came, at with, came at you with some heat. And another fun fact, no American coach has ever won the World Cup either. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. But that's a smaller uh, statistic than uh, no foreign manager has ever won a World Cup uh, uh, with, with their team. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, and I actually didn't even know that. So I hope it's right. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know. Otherwise, I'm like Wikipedia, you know, you just th th throw something in the chat and I'll say it, say it until it's not right anymore. And, um, Charlie, now, I, I don't want to belabor these points too much because we're, we're getting towards the end here. And I think we've, we've hit it that we're very proud of this team. Um, did you believe going into this game that we are going to beat the Netherlands? Somebody asked me 
today before the match started, and they're like, dude, cut the nonsense, right? Just cut all that other stuff out. Do you really think the U.S. are going to beat them? And I said, yes, but, but when I started to think about that, right, think about how much we struggled to score, think about how much we struggled to, to uh, sort of own matches during really, really tough periods, I started to think like, well, yeah, with a little bit of luck and, you know, we get the ball to bounce our way and whatever. But then when I, logic, the logic started going into my mind and poisoning my mind of just like, man, I'm kind of putting this team in this category of on their day, they can beat the Netherlands. And I think the Netherlands looked at it as we should beat the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And we were saying on our, and my mind was telling me on our day, we can beat the Netherlands. And I think that is the shift that I'm trying to get to with this team of saying, the U.S. should be going into this game, getting to a level of consistency and quality and, and, and um, setting their own bar that they see in Netherlands and they go, we should beat the Netherlands, right? Based on how, what we've seen in the tournament, based on player for player. I think they did. Tactics. I think they did, though. And, and I'll tell you right now, I thought that we could beat them. I, I, I was very optimistic about beating the Netherlands because I knew of, of how they play and how patient they are. And mm-hmm. that they give you openings. They gave us openings. We just didn't right. take them. Right. How, how'd you write? Well, they didn't give us. What, but they gave, oh, but, but again, oh, they there, it us. wasn't like a, there was there was openings, but it wasn't like they from gave the beginning me, to the end. It felt like Netherlands game to lose because of the way they played. Yeah. They they said we're gonna just be defensive and not give you too many opportunities. We're not gonna let you play through us, and we're gonna counter and be effective. They stretched. Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman because they knew we could they they could beat us with pace. Mm-hmm. They, their game plan was just spot on. It was that effective. And for us, they still gave us chances, golden opportunities. How'd you write uh, donkey touch? Then you have uh, Christian Pulisic in the second, the third minute of the game, a layup, and the keeper makes a good save. You have to convert those set pieces. For us, were horrible this tournament. Mm-hmm. We have to be better at set pieces. So both attacking uh, ideas and then just execution, making sure we get to the spot before the players. But the service was poor. The crossing was poor. So look at all all those areas of the game where we weren't good and we still got to the knockout rounds. And we still got to the knockout rounds without players having experience and and still got to the knockout rounds with Tim Ream, who is not a part of of World Cup qualifying and was our, our best center back. So... I, I think there's just a, a lot of room to grow, and that's why I'm so uh, optimistic. I think they came into this game thinking they were they could win, especially the first five minutes. Right, we're pushing; they're giving us possession. You know, the confidence grows. And then yeah, until sudden, that goal, by the way, boom. until that goal, yeah, until that goal, I was like, this team can play. This team's going going to play. And I know the Netherlands were baiting a little bit, but the U.S. looked like they were willing to play through. They're willing mm-hmm. to take risks. They were sharp in their passing. Then out of nothing, you get the goal scoring opportunity. And again, I still feel like Pulisic must have thought that maybe he was offside because it was seemed like a very no, casual he, he, type of finish. He didn't. I, he, he I went just, for it. I, 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 I mean, I just, you know, I expect a player like that to finish an opportunity, knowing that you know you only get one of those, maybe even in a tournament, to get that kind of look. Well, I guess we got one later on with Haji Wright, and he didn't do anything with that either. But yeah, I, I mean, that, th- those are solid points. I think it's really hard to to, to keep it all into perspective right now after a loss because. It just felt like we were we were beaten by a better team, which which um, which sucks. Uh, but at the same time, 
you look at the, the, the course and the trajectory, um, they exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways. They proved mm -hmm. me things that I hadn't seen in qualifying or in our friendlies up to this point. They showed this fighting spirit. We used to talk about MMA, but then all of a sudden my whole focus was on, was on Serginho Dest. It was on Musa. It was on McKinney coming up through the midfield on the right side with, with Timo Weah when I had Brendan Aronson starting there uh, in the tournament. And, and so there's things that have progressed to me where I'm like, man, like Timo Weah can be a bona fide superstar with the qualities that he has. On a day like today, yeah, I thought he was rushing his shots and, you know, maybe trying, you know, trying to figure out how he could be more impactful and, and not necessarily doing that. But when I think about some of these players, I'm like, man, these guys can be huge. They can be stars on, I know they play Champions League, but they can be even bigger, bigger than what they are now. And, and I think that gives me, me, me reason to, to be really excited moving forward. You're spot on. I, I couldn't agree more with you. So... Well, listen, let's, let's, let's take this down to our, our final thoughts. And by the way, if you want more World Cup coverage, we're going to keep bringing you guys more shows throughout the World Cup. We're going to obviously give you our more official postmortems of the U.S. going out, reflect on the entire tournament as a whole, and continue to keep, keep, keep building this community. We're not just going to disappear on you. But also, uh, you've got the, the global perspective. So our friends at House of Champions, a part of the CBS Sports uh, Podcast Network, are around. Um, and they have a great crew recapping and, and previewing all the matches of the tournament every single day of the tournament and beyond after the World Cup ends. So just download and subscribe House of Champions uh, on YouTube and anywhere you find the podcast. But of course, as I mentioned, we're going to keep this thing going for you guys as well. And we'll be giving you guys the schedule shortly of how we're going to keep this thing going down. Now, Charlie, final thoughts. You know, if you want, you can stand up and speak, uh, you know, as this uh, cl closing thought of the U.S. out of the tournament. Obviously, we're not yeah. going anywhere um we will uh we'll get to you guys on 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 upcoming shows but charlie final thoughts from today final thoughts you can address the team you can address our fans that come and loyally watch every one of these or listen to these in audio form whatever it is that you want because the comments are popping off again every yeah. actually you know what i want everybody that's in the comments right now to give me your final thoughts while charlie's doing this final thoughts <laughs> yeah. you can just tell from me the, it from was the great, community it was bad fire this person that person sucks yeah. i'm proud of the team whatever it is give me your one final thought into the comments while charlie goes off on probably a 24 minute final thought right now this is going to be the quickest um, final yeah, thought of all, okay. all, all okay. time okay. i'm going to say uh, just w respect we're, we're all proud you've come a long way um but you got to keep pushing because we're just getting started so Let's go. I'm on. I'm on this train. They inspired a generation. Now, let's just keep. Let's keep the sport moving forward. That. That's all I gotta say. Well said. Well, that's the same for me, man. I'm torn because I'm. I'm. I'm heartbroken because I feel like it was a long eight years to get to this point, and I know we were so close to getting to the quarterfinals. But in order to get to the quarterfinals, we've got to be better. And I don't want us to get to the quarterfinals and look back and go like, yeah, but, you know, we, we, we outfight and whatever, and that's all it is. I want to see us get to the quarterfinals because we're a better team than the team that we're playing against. And then we look at the quarterfinals and look at that team and go, I think we can beat them too. And I think that's what we're inching towards. We're getting closer to that. And as I mentioned, uh, on every other show before, um, you can join the Sucker.com uh, Goal Club Loyalty Program where $5 memberships will get somebody 10% off their entire life. So don't be afraid to go and get your favorite U.S. men's national team players from this tournament. Or I guess if you want a Cody Gakpo shirt, you can go and get one of those too, even though he didn't score against the U.S. He scored against everybody else, but he can't score against us, Chuck Wagon. That's all that matters. You know what I mean? We make our own statistics. Even when we lose, we'll find the reasons uh, to celebrate. But we're super proud of this team. We're super proud of this community that we're building here. And of course, on behalf of myself, 
Jimmy and Trash Can Conrad, who's with us throughout the show, Charlie <laughs> Chuck Wagon Davies, and uh, our production team, and everybody at CBS Sports. We appreciate all of you tuning in and or listening, and we will see you guys soon. Much love. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen